Lots of channels, nothing to watch, especially if you're searching for the truth. It's time to interrupt your regularly scheduled programs with something actually worth watching. Salem News Channel, straightforward, unfiltered, with in-depth insight and analysis from the greatest collection of conservative minds like Hugh Hewitt, Mike Gallagher, Sebastian Gorka, and more. Find truth. Watch 24-7 on SNC.TV and on Local Now, Channel 525. can do what you want to us but we're not going to sit here and listen to you bad mouth the united states of america gentlemen Good morning, America. Welcome to the Weekend Answer. How are we doing today? It's a good, beautiful, beautiful morning here in uh, Southern California. Um, just good weather. Everything's nice out here. You know, we always have, one of the things we have in California is we have good weather, and we pay for it. We call it the weather tax. It's every time they raise taxes, it's always come down to, God, I don't want to move because the weather's so good, until you go to other places and you start realizing how ridiculous some of these things are. So, anyways, hey, listen, my name is Jim Righeimer. Uh, normally on here with Garrett Fay, and everybody's wondering where's Garrett been? Why has he not been here? Well, I can tell you why he has not been here. Garrett had Garrett and Sarah had their first baby. Uh, Isaiah, seven pounds, nineteen and a half inches. Um, so obviously we couldn't say anything until, until the baby was born, but Isaiah's born, and I'm the new Uncle Jimmy for Isaiah, and um, Garrett, uh, I think Garrett will be back next week, but you know how it is nowadays with the babies. The daddy's got to be home with that baby, uh, taking care of him, doing all the good stuff, but uh, baby and mom and everybody else helped us, so we're really excited about it. So that's where Garrett's been, and um, but we'll we'll keep on taking care of the show. Um, here while uh, while Garrett does his baby duties. So what are the big items that happened this last week? Well, the, obviously the biggest as far as dollar-wise goes and, and the economy and all that is Biden signing his uh, in, Inflation Reduction Act, the IRA, the Inflation Reduction Act. Now, this is a perfect, perfect example of you just call it whatever you want to call it, you name it whatever you want to name the bill, no matter if it has anything to do with it or not. And it's almost like the media just can't make up another set of words. They just go, well, you call it the Inflation Reduction Act, so we'll call it the Reflation Reduction Act. And there's nothing about in, in, reducing inflation. I mean, there's literally nothing about reducing inflation. $739 billion. Uh, $369 billion of those dollars would go into effect for climate change issues. So half the money goes into climate change issues. Things like giving subsidies to buy your electric car. Now, people think, well, that people will buy electric cars. So they gave like a $7,500 subsidy to buy an electric car. What did GM and what did Ford do immediately this last month? They raised the price of their cars. One of them raised at $6,200. The other one raised at the exact $7,500. They raised the price of the car for the, for the subsidy that you're going to get. So in reality, let's, let's put it this way. 
they can't make the electric cars fast enough. I, I, I just can't get them made. They can't get them done. They can't put them out. So what are they going to go ahead and do? Well, they're going to go ahead and, and uh, raise the price. Well, they, how do they raise the price? People can't afford it. Oh, the government comes in and gives them the money. So in reality, you're not really getting a, a check from the government to buy the car. It's just basically a pass through you to go to GM or Ford because the unions wanted to make sure they got the money uh, to their union workers, and that's what they did. So half of that $739 billion is for that. $64 billion of it was just subsidies for health care. You know, the whole health care program that everybody seems to love, and it's great because we have all this free health care that we get. It's not free. It has to be paid somehow. And uh, it, the subsidies were going to run out in November, and when the, or actually January, but the prices would come out in November. And they couldn't have a situation with an election coming up showing everybody's health insurance kicking up because, as Republicans said, this uh, Obamacare is not free. It's going to cost a ton of money. So they just did a $64 billion subsidy uh, for that. And then the favorite one of everybody out there is $87 billion to the IRS. Um, I may be off by a billion or two there, but basically 80 plus billion dollars for the IRS so they can get 80,000 plus more employees. And understand, they have about 70 some thousand employees now. They're doubling the size of the IRS. And what we've got is our, our president saying, hey, no one's going to be affected by that. It's not going to do anything. The fact they're at 87,000, they're going to have 87,000 um new agents to do what? Just to go after the rich people because there's just so many rich people. JJ, go ahead and play clip number two. I'm keeping my campaign commitment. No one, let me emphasize, no one earning less than $400,000 a year will pay a penny more in federal taxes. Yeah, so he said it. No one's going to pay more. Who does it make less than $400,000? But the reality of it is he got 87,000, 87,000 new employees. He's doubling the size of the employees. You could have all the billionaires in the country and give them two, three agents, and you get what? A couple thousand people, maybe, for all the billionaires. After that, it's just starting to get down to people that are millionaires. And after that, and let's face it, you know, a millionaire nowadays is somebody that has three dry cleaners. I mean, it's not, it's a guy that's, you know, or a woman that's worked real hard and has some business and they own a couple of fast food franchises or they have a, uh, a trucking company, uh, uh, they're, they pour concrete. I mean, they're just working Americans that have saved and put their money away. And now all of a sudden, quote unquote, they're considered millionaires. When the reality of it is the millions of dollars they have, if they have, is really tied up in their business and the equipment and the capital and all those kind of things, hiring people. And they're the ones that the agents are going to be going after. They're going to be absolutely be the ones that the agents are going to be going after because that's where the money's at. The money's at you know the, the, the upper middle class group, people that own small businesses that, you know, they write off their gas and they write off their different expenses. And they're going to come in there and just drill you down and just say, oh, no, no, you, you, you wrote off too much gas. You wrote off too much travel. You wrote off whatever uh, your expenses. We're going to go after you. And that's what they're going to attack you with. So, out of the $739 billion, over like 10, 12% of that went to increasing the IRS to, to go after you. And um, what's that going to do? It's going to put depression uh, people on the jobs. 
Are you going to be hiring people? If you look at it saying, I got to start paying more taxes in my business, how can I hire somebody? Do I want to buy some more trucks? I don't know. Got that big tax bill coming up. So it's going to happen. We're going to go ahead and see those larger tax bills that are going to come in and uh, they're going to cost. Now, what does Biden say this is for? Remember, it's the IRA. It's the Inflation Reduction Act. Where's the reduction in inflation? So what is the definition of inflation? We talked about this before the show, and it's real simple. It's, it's, it's uh, too many dollars chasing too few goods, right? We talked about this a million times. So what did Biden do so far in his less than two years in office? He did the American Rescue Plan, $1.9 trillion. He did the infrastructure bill, $1.2 trillion. And now he's done the IRA, which is almost $800, let us call it $700 billion for a total of $3.8 trillion. The government printed $3.8 trillion, and then they wonder why we have inflation. We've created all this money. We put it out into the marketplace. And then we wonder why the cost of goods goes up because, oh, by the way, we had COVID. We had people home that weren't producing any goods, so there's less goods out there. I tell you, I was at the airport this last week, and I don't know what today's going to be like Sunday, but I flew back in on Thursday. I had never seen such a packed airport. I changed planes in uh, in Denver. I had never seen such a packed airport uh, that I saw uh, so many people traveling, so many people getting out, p- kids getting sent off to college. Um, all these things are, are happening. The spending is going on forward. You know, we're about to hit a dip now. We're going to go into a recession. Everybody's done their traveling they wanted to do. Um, it's going to slow down. And that is what's going to uh, start working on inflation is the fact that people don't have the dollars and the money to spend out there. So um, coming up. More anti-Trump Republicans lose their seat and updating you on the FBI's raid on Trump's home in Florida. Be right back. To the weekend answer. My name is Jim Righeimer. Normally here with Garrett Fay. He's out on baby duty. Him and Sarah had their first beautiful baby boy, Isaiah. So he's out. He'll be back next week. We want to put out uh, uh, good prayers and good things for uh, for his being a daddy. Being a daddy. Anyways, uh, other issues that happened this last week. Um, besides all this spending of billions and billions of dollars is we kind of had this little um, sideshow going on, and it was the, the Liz Cheney, I Hate Donald Trump show. And this has been going on for a while. Now, Liz Cheney, uh, she's the um, representative from Wyoming. Um, her dad was the vice president of the United States. Um, she got into Congress, um, moved up very quickly. Uh, when she got into Congress, she went to the number three position and she went to the number three position because she was a solid conservative. Her dad had been the vice president of the United States. He was solid. She was basically raised in the D.C. area. Obviously, that's where her, her family grew up. But the roots in their family were from Wyoming. She won resoundingly always in Wyoming. And then what happened? Um, she decides that she's not happy with Donald Trump and she votes the last time to impeach Donald Trump. 
Now, this is the number three person in the Congress as far as leadership goes, and she goes and votes against it. And I don't know what she was thinking. If she thought, oh, I'm just going to go ahead and, you know, somehow get past this. There were a lot of people that weren't thrilled with what Donald Trump did. There were very few of them that went out there and stabbed him right in the back and said, this is our Republican candidate. This is our Republican president. But we're upset with him, so we're going to go against him or we're going to support the uh, the Democrats. But that's what Liz did. She went ahead. Not only did she go against Donald Trump, but this whole farce called the January 6th investigations, which is, let's face it, a big farce. I mean, it was a four-hour event, and they've been going on for, what, about a year now of having um, hearings on who said what and what said who and when did it happen and everything else. And the reality of it is you had some bad, crazy players out there um, at the, uh, the, the Congress. They broke windows. They broke into buildings. Um, not good stuff. 90% of the people there, 95% of the people there were peaceful just outside the building. But uh, the federal government has, are putting you know hundreds of people into prison, giving people all sorts of terms in jail just for walking through. And, and Liz Cheney's part of that whole team that's putting all these people in jail and going after all these people. Well, she had her congressional race um, uh, for the primary in Wyoming. Now, Wyoming... Whoever the Republican is is going to win it. And Wyoming's a small state population-wise, so they only have one congressperson, so they call it a at-large seat. Well, where, where was I on Tuesday of this week when the, when the uh, election happened in Wyoming? I happened to be in Wyoming. I happened to be in Wyoming. Now, why was I in Wyoming? Okay, my daughter's going to Colorado State University. We had to drive there. Daddy, daddy and daughter drove all the way to uh, Wyoming, and the normal route you go is up the 15, up to the 70. The 70, you cut across the beautiful mountains. It's a gorgeous, gorgeous drive um, all the way into Denver, and then she goes to her university. Well, um, there was some rain, and they and they closed the 70 uh, because of mudslides. The next morning, they opened it back up again, but they said they might close it again, so I didn't want to risk it and go all the way east and then have to turn around back again. So I said, okay, I'm going to take the northern route. So I took the northern route through uh, Salt Lake and through Wyoming, and I'm sitting there listening on the radio going, they're having the election right now while I am here in Wyoming. Needless to say, I got a couple calls from my friends saying, are you out there canvassing for uh, for uh, Liz, or are you uh, out there supporting Donald Trump? Obviously, I'd be supporting Donald Trump, but the fact of the matter is I was driving through um, Wyoming, by the way, uh, absolutely beautiful, beautiful state. I got to admit, but after a few hours of the same beauty, it's like I just wanted to get to, you know, where I was going and be done with that trip. But anyways, so Liz goes ahead and and she gets slaughtered. I mean, not not kind of sort of. She was going to lose by twenty points. She was going to lose by twenty five points. She didn't lose by like thirty points. She lost by like thirty five percent. Now, here's the thing when you have a person with a big ego. They get shellacked, totally wiped out in a race. She is, you know, she, she, when she's done with her term this year, she is no longer in Congress. What, what, what does Liz do? Go ahead and play that clip for me, J.J. The great and original champion of our party, Abraham Lincoln, was defeated in elections for the Senate and the House before he won the most important election of all. So she gets wiped out. She has no chance whatsoever, and now she says she's Abraham Lincoln. 
She said, you know, he lost his most important races, but I'm going to go out there. She's actually talking about running for president of the United States. She can't win Wyoming. How are you going to get through a primary anywhere else when you can't get through Wyoming, where, for the most part, she had conservative votes and she was solid and all that. But what she did is she basically brought the whole um, swamp with her. I mean, she, you know... She grew up in, in the D.C. area. She was raised in the D.C. area. I mean, that, that's what she was. Her father was always in either government or in uh, military defense contractors based out of D.C. That's where she was. Um, like I said, she was you know, very solid on what she talked about and her di- different issues. But in the end, she's out there fighting Donald Trump, and people in Wyoming are saying, hey, hey, what about us? We're putting you in office. What kind of things are important to us? Like inflation like gas prices, like all these other problems that we have, and you're out on a, on a crusade to go ahead and destroy Donald Trump because you want to save democracy. Well, Liz, let me show you what democracy is. We're going to vote today, and we're going to blow you out of office, and you're not going to be here again. But yet her ego is so massive that she talks about she's Lincoln. She's Lincoln. You know what? Never. Now, I'm going to give you something when, when you run for office, okay? Never compare yourself to Lincoln. I mean, there's just there, there's just no way. I mean, you know, he, he he kept the union together. He worked out how to way to figure it out. He was smart. He was bright. He did all sorts of things. He was assassinated. Just listen. Stay away from being Lincoln, okay? There's there, there's nothing there for you. There's no there's no uh, um, cheese at the end of the, that tube, Liz. But that's what she went ahead and she did, and it was an embarrassment. But it's, again, embarrassment of her ego that she thinks that she loses a race this bad, and now she's talking about what she's going to do. Now, again, like I, I always tell you, I get to watch the MSNBCs and the CNNs and all the liberal claptraps, you know, so you don't have to. They are just praising her. She's losing this race, and they talk about she's, the, she's the, still the future of the party, and she's the one that's going to make sure that things get work out and that we're going to be all okay. And, and, and you're just thinking, are you crazy? She she's gone now. She may think she's going to be a spoiler, but there's no place she can't run as a Democrat. They don't want her. In fact, you know how the Democrats are; they just used her anyway. They got her to go beat up on Trump, and they're able to say their committee was nonpartisan because there was um, two uh, Republicans on the committee. Kinzinger, who's not even running because he doesn't have a seat to run for in Illinois, and uh, and uh, Liz Cheney. So they're both going to be gone. They're not going to be back here when we come back, but yet she's going to go ahead and start. In fact, I think she already started a group. I can't remember the name, but they're out there raising money so that uh, she can have her political speech be brought forward on MSNBC, just the way that you want to have it done. When we return for some local stories, student debt relief for some Californians, and Governor Newsom is busy making videos knocking red state. Coming right back. Welcome back to the Weekend Answer. My name is Jim Righeimer, and like I said, Garrett Fay is out this week. They had their little baby boy, Isaiah. We're wishing Mom and Dad all the best, but uh, Garrett shall be back here this next week as a dad, as a dad. You know, I'll tell you, when you have, if, if, you, if you've had families and babies and kids, you all understand this. For people that haven't, let me tell you something. The day you become a dad, um, you understand why your dad was the way he was. Because before you're a dad, before you, let's say you get married and, and you're, you're working and you got your life going pretty good and you're 
you know, building a life for yourself. Once you have a kid, you go, wait a second, if things don't go right, I can't go move back in my car now. I mean, I have to actually keep feeding the family. I got to make everything happen. And this is where all of a sudden you just kind of get all stiffened up and everything else. So all the issues you had with your dad, that was your dad freaking out about, oh my God, I got to, I got to pay for all this. I got to feed these families. I got to do all this kind of work that has to be done. And so, you know, we used to joke about the, uh, the Cat Stevens songs, Cats in the Cradle. And that was all about dad. You didn't give me your attention. You didn't give me this kid. I was working hard just to put food on the fricking table. That's what I was doing. And maybe I wasn't as sensitive as I should have been, but Hey, I was just trying to get through. So when you become a dad and all of a sudden you realize there is somebody flat out, depending on you going to work and making sure that the bills are paid and there's a roof over the house, things get kind of tighten up. And, uh, it's interesting in the business world, even when people become moms and dads in the business world, all of a sudden you'll see just kind of a more seriousness happen for men and women in the workplace because they got kids at home now and they've got to support those kids and they got to make sure that everything's okay. And part of that obligation is to make money and to have their job and they want to make sure they do a good job at it. So you'll really start to see that um, once people have it. But anyways... Uh, not that Garrett and, and Sarah didn't always work hard before, but I think he'll be working harder now once they have the kid. So um, what happened this last week, one of the big things that the left really wants, the base really wants for the Democrats and for Joe Biden, is they simply want all student debt to be wiped out, to be just relieved. So all these people that went to college, that have all this debt, um, that don't want to pay it back. They just want the government to go ahead and wave a wand and get rid of it. Now, where's most of the debt? A massive chunk of the debt is people going to college for their bachelor's degree. A big, big chunk. When you start hearing the $100,000 figure, these are people that went back for their master's degrees. Okay? Now, if you go into one place in the, in the country of the most people that went back for master's degrees, where are they located? They're the staff of legislators, congresspeople, government officials in D.C. Every one of those people, uh, persons, you know, went back. Not only did they go to school, but then they got their master's degree and they borrowed all the money. So they want to have a program just to go ahead and wipe out all the debt. So if you got out of high school and you got into the trades or you got into some other business or whatever, you know, working, didn't borrow any money, your, your taxes are going to subsidize people that went out there and got higher degrees. Now, the whole idea of getting the higher degree was you're going to make more money. That was the whole pitch always made by the schools. You're going to make more money, so you can afford to pay this back. And so there was was some logic to it to a point. The problem happened. It was no different than uh, the uh, electric vehicles where the government comes and says, I'll give you $7,500 if you buy an electric vehicle. What did the electric vehicle operators do? They raised the cost of the car by $7,500. What do you think's happened in the colleges and universities? They raised all the costs. The, the bigger you give the loan, the more they're going to borrow. It's simple. It's no different than when uh, 2006, 7, and 8, when the housing market collapsed. If you go to people and say you can put nothing down, you can have no credit, and you can buy a house, they don't care what they pay for the house. They don't know that they're paying too much for the house. They got a loan to get the house. So whenever government comes in and adds more money, what you end up doing is just pushing the price up. So colleges, the price went up, then it continued to go up, and you've got all these parents 
that, like I was talking about earlier, now you got your kids going to college and you need to find out how they're going to go to college. Where, where are you going to come up with twenty, thirty, forty thousand dollars $40,000 a year, whatever the number is, to send your kid to college? Well, it's just not there, but the pressure is on. So what do you do? You take out the loan because the government's going to guarantee the loan so the banks will make the loan. So, think, you know how that works? Banks made the loan. They make the interest. They make the profit off of it. The government guarantees the loan. That's why they give you the loan. If the government didn't guarantee the loan, the banks wouldn't make it, trust me. And then, of course, when you get that loan, you know what happens. Uh, there's very, very, very few things that um, uh, last through bankruptcy. So if, you, if you, get, you go bankrupt, all your debts are wiped out except student loans. Your student loans stay with you forever. They can never die. So when the federal government goes ahead and guarantees stuff for you, they don't even allow you to use bankruptcy to get out of um, student loan debt. You've got to pay it forever. So anyways, back to what's happening here. The Biden administration is trying to talk about how we're, we're uh, uh, waiving $32 billion in debt. Well, when you go through all the different student relief debt they've done over time, it adds up to $32 billion. And what is it, basically? It's colleges... Um, universities, tech schools that were fraudulent, or at least they're saying they were fraudulent. Um, ITT, um, Westwood, um, I can't think of all the different names, but basically, you know, they were schools that got the government guarantee. They said they were going to sell you, you know, a program that was going to teach you to be some electronics technician and you were going to get a job. And the company goes bankrupt and never finishes educating you. Well, the government goes in there and says, hey, we're going to go ahead and waive that debt. And uh, because it was it was unfair. Um, total so far, they've they've re- removed thirty two billion. The amount of student debt is in the trillions that's out there. But the fact of the matter is, you borrowed the money. You need to pay back the money. Um, there's little things here. They're going to go ahead and find out ways to to relieve the debt for some people for these things. But in general, the debt's going to have to be paid back. It's either paid back by the people that borrowed the money, um, or it's paid back by the taxpayer. Or maybe it should be paid back by the university that didn't give you a decent degree. Maybe they should be part of the the package when you get a loan saying, hey, if a certain percentage of your students can't get a job when they get out because of your great you know, program, then maybe you have to give some of that money back or discount some of the money that they have there. Um, next item, that just a little bit of fun here. Um, Newsom, Governor Newsom in California, has been getting uh, beat up by the um, the, the the red states, the Floridas and Texas, is because so many major employers are leaving. Now, one of the things that, that, that always falls back on in California is that it's such a massive economy, and we have Silicon Valley, that they always talk about how all these companies are being started here. What they don't say is once the companies get going and get big, a lot of them go ahead and leave. Tesla, Oracle, massive companies like that. So Newsom is out there doing ads, kind of saying – Here's what's really going on and that we're really doing well and our states are really great. So let me give you the, the, the clips that he's doing for his little ads. Go ahead and play uh, clip number two. Hey, everybody. It's Governor Gavin Newsom, and, and we're back here together in search of the truth. And the truth is you're being misled, dare I say, being lied to. You know, red state governors, they, they talk a big game, don't they, about providing parents with education choice. But when it comes time to, well, walk the walk, they're absent. Let's take a look at how one state, in particular, just as an example, Alabama chose to invest. 
versus what we did here in the state of California. Both California and Alabama received substantial amount of new money from the federal government. Alabama spent hundreds of millions of dollars of that federal money, 400 million to be exact, on two super-sized prisons. No investment in kids, no investment in real choice. California, on the other hand, has spent our federal money, invested it by giving three and a half million kids college savings accounts, giving them real choice about their academic future, giving them up to $1,500 in these accounts. Alabama chose to invest in prisons and punishment. California chose to invest in education and the future. Listen, it's, it's just great how they spin these things, and they're actually two separate items. A couple, a couple of things real quick. Uh, all the states got billions and billions of dollars from the federal government. They don't even know how to spend the money. You're seeing cities all over the place doing these massive projects because they have tons of federal money that came out of COVID they couldn't spend, and they're allowed to just do projects or do whatever they want to do to get it done. Um, it, money's fungible. So if, if Alabama needs a prison, they need a prison. Now, I guess California doesn't need a prison, do we? Because we don't put anybody in jail anymore. Our prisons are empty. Well, they're half empty. They, they, you, you can shoot a cannon through a prison and nobody's in there. But what, what uh, the governor does here is and he talks about we're putting money into education. We're putting money into education. Remember how I just talked about a second ago about student debt? And if you give people more money, it just goes into the system. It just goes to, to the next step. So the governor says, here's all these, all these uh, uh, accounts that I'm going to give you for education that's going to give you money so that you can help pay your, your, your tuition. Well, first off, the schools just raise the price by the amount you get, number one. Number two, they don't give you the money that you can spend it somewhere else. It's not really a savings account. It's just like a credit towards a public education somewhere in California to go spend it on a California school. So there's really not any money given there. It can only be used again towards buying a product from the state, which is a state education. But this is what's happening. The the governors of Florida and Texas and some other states are getting the employer, employers and people leaving the Californias of the world, even with our fantastic weather, leaving California. And Governor Newsom, it's getting under his skin, and he's doing these stupid ads talking about what we're really spending our money on. Well, you know what, Governor? It's just the weather tax. It continues to be the weather tax because people don't want to leave California because the weather is so good. But we'll see what happens here. Coming up, different states are litigating their abortion laws. Don't change that dial. Welcome back to The Weekend Answer. My name is Jim Righeimer. Garrett Fay is out on baby duty with their first brand new baby. Isaiah, boy, 7 pounds, 19 and a half inches. We're very happy for Garrett and his wife. Looking at the other issues that are happening here in uh, throughout the country that is really kind of sparking up a lot of political issues, major political issues, is the fact that Roe v. Wade was basically overturned, or the other case was overturned, but it, in the end it, it basically overturns the, the right to abortion, that it's a constitutional right. And we, we've kind of said here on the show 
um, from the beginning is that states 50 years ago were deciding where they were going with abortion, and then the Supreme Court came out and just said, up, oh, it's a right, it's in the Constitution, and you can't do anything about it. And that's where this 50-year battle went on between groups saying you just can't do that because it's not in the Constitution, and the groups that want to have abortion saying um, that, you know, it's a right and we can have it. And then there's people in the middle saying, you know, there's got to be some rules here. There just can't be, you know, abortion at the at the ninth month or the, the day after the baby's born or the day before the baby's born. I mean, all these issues. And these are the messy, messy things that happen in politics. And that's why these kind of decisions have to be made at the at the state level. That you, you, those are the things that you control. Certain issues that you have in your state are not controlled by the federal government. In this case, it was it was supposedly controlled by the the Constitution. And this in the Supreme Court's come back now and said no, it's not. So basically, the issue's gone back to all the states, and it's kind of perfect timing because it's close to an election, and so. The, the issues really start to light up. So you can be a pro-life uh, uh, person your whole life in office, and then all of a sudden now you have to actually vote on it. And there's more issues than just being pro-life. There's issues at, at what time an abortion can happen. You know, is there a total ban on it? Can you have it for rape and incest that there's not a ban for abortion or rape and incest? There's all sorts of issues like that. How many weeks into it can you have an abortion? Once there's a fetal heart. There's all sorts of things that have to be handled, and those are handled politically. And so what you're seeing right now is all the states are kind of doing different things. In Kentucky, Supreme Court, um, they basically have a, a total ban on abortion, and the Supreme Court now allows it um, until they have a case. Now, there's a, there's a case uh, happening through Kentucky courts. And the uh, but the but during this time the judges are saying no that there's basically a ban on abortion in Kentucky until these cases will be heard. I think they're going to be heard in November. Meanwhile, um, you're going to have people on the political side decide who they want to have in office. So Planned Parenthood, who is the big, you know, multi-billion-dollar organization that you know performs abortions and does other things for reproductive issues, um, they're going to spend $50 million on campaigns um, through about a dozen states for Senate seats and for um, congressional seats and also for state seats because the decisions are going to be made at the state. So you're going to expect to see someone like Planned Parenthood spend $50 million um, to fight to make sure that their position is heard. On the pro-life side, those different groups will spend the dollars that, that they need to spend to say you need to vote for you know Joe so-and-so, Joe Smith, because he uh, um, has a ban on ab- abortion or he's uh, – uh, depending on the state turn, some states are going to be more moderate. Now look what, what just happened in Kansas. In Kansas, a very red state, a massive uh, amount of people in the state, vast majority would say they're pro-life. But um, so the legislators went ahead and put on the ballot basically a change to their constitution saying that the legislature could make up the rules for abortion. And the reason they did that is because just previously there was a state supreme case in um, the state of Kansas, which basically gave laid out the rules of when you could have an abortion. I think it was like a 20-week limit, something like that. But basically, the legislators didn't put together the rules. 
the 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 state courts put together the rules instead of what's going to be. So here you are in a red state, uh, a state that most people consider themselves uh, pro-life, and so the legislature said, "Hey, we want to be able to control abortion. Give us the right to do that, uh, voters." And it lost by like twenty percent. That even in a state that's considered conservative. They didn't want their legislature to have the total control on making decisions of what you could do with abortion. They didn't do that. So what's going to happen in the next few months with elections, dollars are going to be spent, lots of dollars are going to be spent on both sides of it to decide, you know, how the situation is going to be handled in your state. And and, and the state of California is going to be a lot different uh, than the state of Alabama. And that's how it should be. You shouldn't have a situation where the federal government just comes in and says, we're going to do this or we're going to do that. These are issues that need to be handled at the state level, and it gets pretty messy. Um, in, in Wisconsin, there's a big fight over in the Republican Party over whether you'd have a complete ban on it or whether you'd have you know, rape and incest and, and uh, those kind of uh, exceptions allowed. So even within the Republican Party, they're having divisions on what to decide. And the fact of the matter is people are going to win or lose their legislative seat based on where they are in this situation and what nuance they have in this issue. And I know people that are are pro-choice don't want to have any restrictions whatsoever, a big chunk of them. I know people that are pro-life want to have no matter what. But in this country, when it comes down to laws, people decide and it'll take time to work its way through. But a big chunk of those decisions are actually going to be happening now because of the elections coming up, because of the cases that are all in court that are going to go ahead and basically say where we are on this issue here in um, in, in the, the different states that, that you're in. But, you know, we're, we've got a big election coming up here, a really big election coming up. I mean, when we saw what happened this this last week with uh, Donald Trump's um, house being raided by the FBI, or maybe you don't want to use the word raided, but, you know, basically they had a search warrant. They went into his house um, to go get uh, um, documents that were basically presidential documents that the archives are supposed to be in charge of, and you're not supposed to take them with you, and they all go to the to the uh, the the uh, department that handles all presidential records and they find out what's, you know, they can have made public and stuff. And then when you, as a president, open your library, all those documents go over to your library. But it, it was like a big overstep that happened with the, with the, the federal government. Now we'll see um, what they're going to do. Basically the judge has said the, the, the affidavits that were used to get a, uh, search warrant. So when you want to get a search warrant, you have to go to a judge and say, Your Honor, we need to get a search warrant because we believe this bad guy over here, um, you know, let's say it's bank fraud. Well, we, we can go get their documents to show that they actually stole the money and that it was an illegal loan or whatever it was. And here's all the reasons that we have that. And somebody who knows signs that affidavit and said, I believe this to be true. A judge looks at it and says, Okay, we're going to give you the right to go ahead and go to their house and take these documents. Um, th- what's happening here right now, and a, and a lot of times the Department of Justice, the DOJ, doesn't want that out because it's part of their case that they're using 
Uh, they want to make sure that's sealed up. What's happening now is that Trump's administration and the DOJ are agreeing now that they're going to go ahead and redact the documents, that the affidavits, what people said, and they're going to make them be out to the public. Now, the judge didn't isn't redacting it. He's letting the Department of Justice do the redactions, and that'll be the statements people made saying, hey, the reason we're going into uh, Trump's basement over here at Mar-a-Lago is because um, there were documents in there that were the missile codes or there was nuclear you know, bomb issues or um, it showed where our secret agents were around the world. Who knows what it's going to say? Um, but to protect people on the government side, they're going to say, oh, we have to redact all this stuff. So basically what's happening right now is that the government is going to redact as much as they can redact, basically – take a big black Sharpie over these documents and block out as much as they can block out to the point where a judge will say, okay, that, that looks good. You can go ahead and we'll, we'll release it. So they're, they're releasing the document saying of the affidavit of why the government felt that they were allowed to go into Donald Trump's house. Now, we, we'll see. Maybe they've got a real case there. Maybe they don't have a real case there. But what, what's going to happen here right now, as soon as we see this thing made public, is we're not going to really see the affidavit. We're going to see a document that is all sharpied up that we can barely read anything in it because the judge in this case has told the government, well, you're allowed to go redact it and then send it to me and I'll, I'll decide if it's okay. And chances are he'll decide it's okay and then we'll be back in court again because the news agencies, uh, the, the – um, the different parties want who want to know, the public wants to know, what was the reason you went into a former president of the United States house and got a search warrant to go through it, which is pretty, pretty unusual um, and has never been done in the United States. But that's going to be coming up um, this next week. Coming up, some good news about contact lenses and cancer. Be right back. Weekend Answer, my name is Jim Righeimer. Hey, listen, one good story to go out with. Modern science and technology is getting amazing, amazing, amazing. Scientists have now come up with a contact lens that you put, that you wear, that can detect whether you're going to get cancer or not. And how does it do it? There's different things in your body that break away called exosomes that these contact lenses attract. And so what will happen is if you have these uh, cancers in your body, the sooner you find out about it, the better it is. And these contact lenses will actually absorb these exosomes, which once tested can show that you have cancer starting somewhere in your body, and you can jump on it pretty quick. Pretty amazing. It's a long way to go, obviously. The, the, the lenses have to be checked all the time. But this will be a brand new technology that just your contact lens that you wear every single day can help you make sure that you don't get cancer. So, again... My name is Jim Righeimer. This is The Weekend Answer. Next weekend, I will be here with Garrett Fay. Looking forward to having another fine, fantastic week here in America. God bless you all. Bye-bye.